we finally determined that all growing disciples do three things. And there are, there are other things, obviously they do, right? But these are big, essential things. One, that they treasure Jesus, that they become like him together, and that they share his gospel. So this morning, uh, we'd like to take a week to discuss the third and final portion of our mission statement, sharing his gospel. And to do that, I want to draw our attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll pick up in verse 17 and we'll read through uh, chapter 6, verse 2. Word reads this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listen to you. And in a day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Thus ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your provision and grace. We thank you for your word, which feeds us, which nourishes us, which reveals yourself to us. God, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear and minds to comprehend it and hearts to receive it and to walk in it. Lord, we ask, because it's the only way we know how, that you would work before us in this way. God, may you increase and may I, myself, everyone here decrease. We ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, over the last few weeks, we've taken... Um, We've been looking at these key topics and passages that in many ways summarize what the Christian life is. That summarizes the life of a disciple. That, that unpack or, you know, unpack our mission statement. And this passage does that as well. I want to show you two realities. Really, I only have two points this morning. But these two real, the two points will come out of the two realities. So don't get caught up on the realities but the two realities, but they're in the text, so you got to get caught up in it a little bit, right? The two realities are we are a new creation and we have a new calling. New creation, new calling. And the two points will flow out of that. Um, but but if, uh, if, if, and these realities are true for every follower of Jesus. Or you may not be, I should probably say, you may not be a follower of Jesus I don't want to assume that in a room this size. I know that many people every week are visiting with family members or friends. Or maybe you've come on your own. You, uh, we've, you know, we're, and I just want to say we're so glad that you're here. Honestly. And particularly today. 
Because I don't believe it's an accident that you're here today because this passage in the Bible gives us a powerful picture of what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, Today, I want to invite you to make a decision to follow him and experience these realities, this reality of uh, a new creation and a new calling. The first reality every, of every uh, follower of Jesus. Again, you are a new creation. Let's dive back into the text. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What does that mean? In reality, there are thousands of things it means. Uh, and we don't have lots of time to discuss at length. But let me summarize what the Bible is saying here. We have all, every one of us, sinned against God. We've all turned from God's ways in our own ways. So because of our sins, we are separated from God. If we die in this state of separation from God, we will spend eternity separated from him forever and ever. But God loves us and has done the unthinkable. Although we deserve death and eternal separation from God, he has come to us in the person of Jesus. God in the flesh. Jesus lived a perfect life with no sin in him. Then even though he he had no sin, he, he died for us. Jesus chose to die on the cross For our sins. To pay the price that we deserve to die. Then Jesus rose from the dead. In victory over sin. So that anyone. Anywhere. No matter who you are. Can be forgiven of all your sins. And reconciled. And have a right relationship with God. Forever and ever. And that is what the Bible just said. In 2 Corinthians 5.18. God through Christ. Reconciled to himself. Verse 19. He tells us that when we trust Jesus. When we trust in Jesus. God no longer counts our sins against us. And then in verse 21. Says for our sake. God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Jesus and him we might become the righteousness of God. Now you start to see what this means to be a new creation. When you put your faith in Jesus, you go from being guilty of trespasses to being forgiven of your trespasses. You go from being separated from God To being reconciled to God. All this changes. Once enemies of God. Now beloved sons and daughters of God. Given a seat at the table. And now that you've been reconciled to a right relationship with God. You experience an entirely new life. The first five chapters of 2 Corinthians, it's all leading up to this. And, it, and it's listed all sorts of things that are realities of this new, what's new about you when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We obviously don't have time to look at all of this in depth. But, but there could be a sermon, and there, there really is sermons on, on every one of these realities as you look through the book of 2 Corinthians, but I want you to understand and feel what it means to be a new creation. When you place your faith in Jesus, 
You have a new identity. You are no longer defined by your sin. You're now defined by God's grace. You can now bank your life on having new peace, this new comfort, new strength, new, new hope, new, new, new promises. You have an altogether new spirit, a, a new joy, a, a new aroma. And I know that the aroma thing might sound a little bit weird, right? Um, especially if you don't look at it with a little bit of context. I'm not talking about body odor here. You should still wear deodorant, Okay. But in 2 Corinthians 2, Paul talks about how the fragrance of Jesus' character is now a part of and reflected in you. You're an entirely new person with a new glory, new righteousness, new boldness. You are no longer separated from God and afraid of God. You are now boldly, you can now boldly come before God as his son and daughter. You have a new freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from addiction, freedom from the bondage of yourself, freedom from fear and anxiety. You have new sight. You can see what you were formerly blind to. You have new confidence, a new life, new faith, new speech, a new access to grace, a new heart, a new future. And you have a new home in heaven and a new guarantee for eternity. Do you, do you know that guarantee? That's a genuine question. Do you, do you know that guarantee? If you were to die unexpectedly on your way home today, which could happen to any of us, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will go to heaven? I think this is a genuine question to ask. If you have put your faith in Jesus and belong to him, you have a new guarantee. A new guarantee for eternity. As a result, you have a new courage, a new aim in life, a new motivation for life, a new perspective about life. I hope you get the point. When, when you put your trust in Jesus, you become an entirely new person. And the person who reflects on these new creation realities cannot go unchanged. They cannot go on in life as usual. Why? Because their desires begin to change. As the Holy Spirit removes our heart of stone and gives us this new heart of flesh, he begins to shape our desires and match the desires of God the Father with our desires. We get new desires. I don't know if many of you uh, played any board games or made, did puzzles or something like that during Snowmageddon 2024. Uh, my family did. And we played this board game uh, called Beat the Parents. Um, Megan Smith, she's in our neighborhood. She came and, and joined us. And so it was sort of adults against kids. And it's this trivia game, right? And, um, and so the sets of questions are different from, you know, for the adults than for uh, the kids. And, um, and so what's cool about the game is that you create like a wager. Like if I win, if we win, you got to do this. And if we win, you know, you've got to do this. And so everybody puts a wager on the table. 
Um, of course, the boys are like, okay, if we win, we get to stay up, watch a movie tonight, and, uh, and then you got to take us to go get ice cream when we can get out of the house, okay? And we were like, you know, so what do, what do we do? You know, so we said, okay, here's the deal. If we win, you've got to shovel snow, <laughs> all right? Um, well, we lost. Um, some of the questions are pretty hard. Yeah, some of them are pretty hard. Uh, we lost, and I was a man of my word, right? Let them go have a movie night. We took them to Dairy Queen a day or two after, although the Dairy Queen blizzards, I guess they're, they're, it was messed up, and so it was like really soupy, and blizzards weren't great. But we got them nonetheless. You know what's awesome? I still made them shovel snow. All right? Now, notice the difference, though, in the wagers given by the adults and the parents. You know, through time... Through life, the things that we think are important, the things that we want to do, they, they change through time, right? Um, now, I'm not trying to hyper-spiritualize the to-do list of an adult, okay? Do not interpret it that way. The point is to show you that people change in life. Our priorities change. These things that they find, the things that we find important, the things that we want to accomplish and do in life, they change. The same is true for the Christian when they delight in the Lord. The same is true for the Christian as they, as they sit and reflect on these new creation realities that we just talked about. The Holy Spirit shapes us into this new creation, new priorities, new desires this is what happens in the life of a genuine believer. There will be change. That's the meaning of being a new creation. Listen, delighting in Jesus is treasuring Jesus. Which leads us to the first point this morning. Treasuring Jesus will bring change in the life of a believer. With new desires and priorities. Don't miss the Apostle Paul's passion and zeal for the gospel here. Okay? He's delighting in the work of God. He's blown away, blown away by what God has done for him and for sinners like you and me. Paul first treasured Jesus and that's what compelled him to go on mission. It would be easy to, in a sermon about sharing his gospel to just tell you, go make disciples. Go do it. Go do, go do it. If you want to be a good Christian, go do it. It'd be easy for us to start there. Just give you commands, tell you what to do. But we know it's important for us to understand as we progress our way through this passage and think about this matter. Notice he doesn't start with a command. Go make disciples. Go be ministers of reconciliation. He, he, he doesn't say when you go, when you go on mission, your desires and delight for the Lord will increase as you do that. While it will happen, it, it, that's not where he starts. No, you have to see and grasp the, what we would call the, the difference between the indicatives and the imperatives. God has fraught, first brought reconcil reconciliation, indicative, overwhelmed sinners with grace, changed Paul into a new creation. Then he gives a new ministry of reconciliation, imperative commands, right? Right? Don't get this out of order. A church that gets this out of order 
will have to drag or guilt their people to go on mission for the Lord. So while this passage and portion of the vision series is about sharing his gospel, it's important that we begin here. It's, it's important we begin, we, we begin right here. It's, it's so important that we do not miss the why before moving to the what. Once enemies of God. Now reconciled, adopted, beloved sons and daughters, given a new seat at the table, a new life. God did it. Jesus secured it. Indicative. This is the inward worship of someone who is treasuring Jesus. I mean, they're overwhelmed by what has happened. And this inward worship compels us towards active obedience to fulfilling our new calling. And the second reality here, for every follower of Jesus, imperative, you have a new calling. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a new creation and you have a new calling. Not only have you been reconciled to God, you want others to be reconciled to God. You know where the the jackpot is and you want others to experience him as well. When Jesus was first calling his disciples, remember what he said? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, following involved fishing. Like, they're not separate. They go together. Following Jesus Being a disciple of Jesus was going to involve fishing. And so following Jesus meant having a desire to call other people to do the same. Do you see in verse 18 where Paul says, God through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In verse 19 he says, Christ, that in in Christ God was not just reconciling us to himself, God was also reconciling the world to himself. That means that we who have been reconciled to God are now ambassadors for Christ. Verse 20, this is the new reality. It's It's who we are. You know, what an image, honestly. It's like we're a representative from another country representing our king or speaking on behalf of our king. We are making an appeal to everyone in the world. We're imploring them, be reconciled to God. And here's the new calling for the new creation. Chapter 6 verse 1 tells us that God has chosen us to partner to, to chosen us to, to partner with him on this mission. Yes, God does the saving. But he's got a particular way he's chosen to do it through through people like you and me. Which brings us to point number 2. God has called every follower of Jesus To live for the spread of the gospel, the good news of God's reconciliation through Jesus throughout the world. Very simple. In other words, God has called every follower of Jesus to see more disciples made, to live to see more disciples made and more churches multiplied in all the nations throughout the world. And it begins right here, right where we are, in our homes, in our workplaces, 
in our schools, in our neighborhoods, on our kids' ball teams, for the parents. We have been given this good news that, that we know the way to be reconciled to God. God didn't save you just for you. Just think about this. We are God's plan A for the advancement of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. His church. His church is plan A. It's not sub-ministries on college campuses. and It's his church. It's us. Commenting on this reality, I once heard J.D. Greer, a pastor of a church in North Carolina, former um, president of the um, Southern Baptist Convention, I once heard him say the gospel came to you because it was heading to someone else. We are stewards of this good news. We, we know how people can be reconciled with God. You know how it works. We are, we are beggars telling other beggars where to find the bread. Our lost neighbors and friends, they need us to tell them about Jesus. We are God's plan A. And if we're treasuring Jesus, it will happen. You know, we're created to kind of do this in life, right? You go have a great hamburger at a restaurant, at a new restaurant. What do you do? Hey, you need to go try this burger restaurant. We're created to do this in life. And the things that we treasure will be the things that we talk about. It'll be the things that we think about. It'll be the things that, that, that overcome our speech and it, it overcomes, like it, it just pours out of us. Mark Dever, in his book, The Gospel and Personal Evangelism says, what does such love require, us, require of us? It seems to require that what we want for ourselves, what we want for those we love to, if you desire to love God with perfect affection, you will desire that for your neighbor too. But you are not loving your neighbor as yourself if you're not trying to persuade them toward the greatest and best aspect of your own life, your reconciled relationship with God. If you are a Christian, you are pursuing Christ. You are following him and you desire him. And you must therefore also desire the highest good for everyone whom you love. It is, uh, it is love itself that requires us to pursue the best for those we love. And that must include sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them. 2 Corinthians 6.1 reminds us that we are partnering with God on this endeavor. Jesus, or yes, yes, God, again, does the saving work, but he's chosen us like tools in the hands of a master craftsman. He is choosing to use us for the task to urge people to be reconciled to God, to believe that Jesus paid it all, believe in the gospel to be reconciled. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. You and I both know this is not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be really hard. In the ministry of reconciliation is guaranteed that you will be used. You'll be taken advantage of by the people that you're trying to, that you're pleading with to, 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 to be reconciled to God. It's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be messy. It's part of the process and yet he still lavishes his grace on us. In chapter 6, Paul doesn't shy away from this. 
He tells, he tells you he's, he's going to be with you. He's going to show you grace. This is where it's going. Chapter 6, verse 4 to 10. This is what he says. But as servants of God, we commend, we commend ourselves in every way by, with, by great endurance in, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, laborers, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the, for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as, as impostors and yet are true, as, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we, heal, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Listen, it's going to be really, really messy. But in God's economy, that's not a problem. Why? Because there's grace. Because he uses grace and people to bring reconciliation. So we're to take that first step. That, that's what he calls us to. He calls us into the messiness that sin is destroying. The, the, this really is a gift that God is giving us. And you may be saying, Adam, you're not really selling this gift. Right? You're not really, well, what's, what's the point here? Where, where's the gift part in all of this? Listen, there's no greater gift on this earth than being used by God to be the tool of grace. What's the alternative? To be abandoned by God? Right? Rejected? But he's given us much grace. And he's chosen to use us. We, we know how sinful we are. We know, we, we know how jacked up we are. He gives us the thrill of being sinners who get to showcase as sinners the forgiveness of sins. We walk in light with people to not have to, we don't have to pose to be what we know we aren't anymore. He gives us the grace and mercy to live with the spotlight on all of our sins because when we live with the spotlight on all of our sins, it showcases the grace of God on sinners like you and me. And we know that we could do and need to do better in these areas. In fact, elders, one of our upcoming elder meetings, we're going to be talking about how do we, pra how do we practically do this? And we, okay, Adam, we get it. But how do we practically do this? And we're going to be talk, talking about that. You know, about building, how to, how to better build intentional relationships with people. How do, how do parents build relationships with the parents on their kids' sports teams? And, you know, maybe a running club or whatever it may be where you're spending time uh, with, the, with the sole intent to, to tell people about Jesus. Maybe that's, the old school way of knocking on doors and inviting people to come to worship with you. I mean, we're, we're going to be thinking about some of these things. We know we can do better, 
We know we can do more right here, right where we are. But, it, but it's not just right here that we want to see people be reconciled to God. Our vision is also to see the kingdom of God advance to the ends of the earth. This is our new identity. We are global ambassadors for Christ. This means the global cause of Christ dictates everything that Christians think, that we desire, what we do. The global and worldwide cause of Christ, which is to make disciples of all nations, to spread the good news of God's reconciliation all over the world, is now what drives the Christian. The global cause of Christ drives the way we pray, the way we spend our money, the way we live our, and spend our lives. This is so significant, yet so missed. So many professing Christians are content to be reconciled to God and Christ, but have missed what it means to now be an ambassador for Christ in the world. Living to invite and implore people to be reconciled to God. It's what the Christian is. Members of Capshaw, every follower of Jesus in this room, as, a new, as new creations, as men and women who have been reconciled to God and Jesus, we live for the world to be, we, we long, we live and long for the world to be reconciled to God and Jesus. This is why we talk about not just reaching North Alabama, but all the nations. Because this is the way God talks. We talk about global missions because God talks about global missions. God's entire goal in history is all headed towards all men, all women, or men and women from every tribe, every tongue, every nation gathered around his throne and they're reconciled to himself. I mean, just, just read the end of Revelation. That's the goal. That's where God is aiming. And if that's God's goal, then what should our goal be? If it's not your goal as a Christian to, to reach all the nations, and it's God's goal to reach all the nations, then I would ask, who's, who needs to change? God wants the world, so we want the world. Some of you may be asking, and I hope you are, Adam, how do I, how do I grow in this desire for, you know, reaching the world? How do I grow in this desire to, to share the gospel? And I would come back to where we began. How do I grow in a desire to see the kingdom of God advance to the end of the earth? I'd point you to Psalm 37 verse, verse 4. Psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The psalmist and Paul understood. They understand how this happens. Delight in the Lord. Treasure Jesus. And he will give you the desires of his heart. They will most assuredly. They won't be your desires. If you delight and treasure in Jesus, you can guarantee they will become, your desires will be influenced and be driven by his desires. As new creation, 
you begin to embrace this new calling. In closing, I'll say, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, you and I, all who trust in Jesus might become the righteousness of God. Be encouraged today that when God looks at you through your faith in Jesus, his son, he does not see your sin. He sees the very righteousness of Jesus. This passage describes how Jesus has taken our sins upon himself. He has given us his righteousness. I mean, what a trade. (laughs) What a trade. That will last for all eternity. So don't live in the mud and the mire of your sin, of, of past sin. You are forgiven of your sin. You are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Don't, don't see yourselves as dirty, as ashamed, as guilty. In Jesus, you are clean. You're washed. You're, you're honored. As a child of God, you are clothed in the righteousness of God, all by his grace, grace through faith in Jesus. And then, as you see yourself that way, then, then live to lead others to experience this reality. We are ambassadors for Christ. What a picture of authorized of of being an authorized representative of God. God is making his appeal through us, through us, through his church. What a powerful picture that God is appealing for people to come to him, to know his love, to be brought out into his family, into his kingdom, This passage teaches us that God has commissioned us to reach the lost. And how is he appealing for people to come into his family, into his kingdom? Through us. Through you. Through me today. So let's let's be a church that, that does verse 20. Let's implore people today on behalf of Christ as ambassadors and representatives of Jesus. Let's implore people today to be reconciled to God. Listen, by God's grace, we will be a church that treasures Jesus, that becomes like him together, and that shares his gospel. But please do not miss where we start. Delight in the gospel. Treasure Jesus. God will give you the desires. And we're going to work on systems and ways to do that. But don't miss Jesus. Don't miss what he's done to reconcile you. Let's pray.